This episode is being recorded out of Shop Talk Podcast Studios in Oak Park, Michigan. For more information, visit www.shoptalkpod.com. Pink suits with hats to match. Big cracker dolls and Cadillacs. You looking for the fattest sacks? This is where it's at. Windows tinted, seats for lyric recline. Keep the hands on the burner, cause niggas know that it's money on Yo, what up though? It's your man Jake Johnson, aka the Tim Foyle Hat Titan, aka the conspiracy realist, aka the technology snob, Steve Jobs Jr. Don't text me with your green bubbles, aka I only debate my equals, everybody else I teach. Also known as Juice, because all the hoes say J.U. Ice, Young Caesar, because you know you can't roam without me, Mr. If you did it, I done it before, I had it, got mad at it, don't want it no more, a.k.a. put me in a room with lions, Simba's dying, come back 15 minutes later, I'll have dinner frying, I am the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be, what up? And it's your man Dame Gone Wild, a.k.a. Dame Lannister, the mother slayer. Dame Belichick coaching these other podcast rookies. Pass the plate around and pay homage. Reverend Dame Dollars is in the pulpit. I'm John Bones Jones off of cocaine, suplexing toddlers through birthday cakes. <laughs> High Chief Dame don't fuck around the pride of PA, the West Side landlord, and the reason your mama drinking Hennessy again, because she want me to put it all the way in. I am Dame Gone Wild. <laughs> Okay. She won it all. <laughs> Welcome back, Shop Talk Podcast, episode number 62. These 60s is hurting us because there's no athletes that anybody care about that wore 60s. Nigga, these 60s is worse than the real 60s. Maybe yeah. not. Nah. I don't know. In the day and age we're living in, it's, it's getting pretty bad out here. 45 running the country like it's the 60s. I mean, he, at least he ain't getting on TV with a tiki torch this week. Next week, though. It's always a new week. Uh, so how'd your week go? Uh, man, some fucked up shit happened to me yesterday. How did court go? You never talked about it. Oh. Did you win? Did you have to pay? So listen, so you know, I'll be on my militant shit. Fuck the government. Fuck all this shit. I'm fighting everything. I got down there, and I was like, uh, it was like four people in front of me. And the judge, he was not having the best day because okay. all of them <laughs> did not uh, didn't didn't go well. So when I got up there, I just played that little punk ass fine and got the fuck out. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, this not not today. I'm so what you plead down to? You, uh, you just impeding traffic. Just took the impeding traffic ticket. One hundred seventy five dollars and shit. Though. Police officer show up. Yeah, he was there. I, I tried to reschedule, but I was I was a day late for the reschedule because usually I reschedule and I try to do that shit twice. And then the cop, because you know they. Whatever officer is there, they schedule everybody who gave a ticket on that day. So if yeah. you reschedule, you fuck their shift up. So I usually try to reschedule twice so they don't show up and they'll just walk the shit out. But I waited too late. It's like if I had to, to for me to reschedule, I had to go down there, give them one hundred seventy five dollars um, off rip, and then they'll reschedule it, and then they will they will give me my money back. Possibly. I'm like, nah, y'all niggas ain't about to take my money. I knew I knew it wasn't gonna go how you thought it was gonna go. It is what it is. How how been court with you? You know, I go to court this week. Okay, I got two court cases. I got tickets on Tuesday, child support court on Wednesday. Well, God bless you for Wednesday, my brother. I'm more worried about Tuesday. I just need my license back. Child support court is just going. It just is what it is. Mm. I don't even sweat it. So I don't really know how this child support shit work, right? So 
you have children currently. So let's say there's a pot of money. So say this, there's $1,000, right? And currently I got that split between, let's say, two children. If a third ch- child enters into that equation, do they just take that same $1,000 and split it up over the three? or do nope. they? They just go, they just take my income, the days I had the kids, how much me and the mother make, and then they split it up that way. They don't give a fuck about a pot or just taking a certain, like it's a rumor that they'll just take a certain percentage of your income, only like 33%. No, that's a lie. That's the government take 33% of my goddamn income currently. Yeah, but that's a lie. They'll take whatever they feel is needed based on your income, the mother's income, and the time that you spent with the child, Mm. and other expenses like daycare and all that shit. So it's a lie. I'm not really worried about child support court, though. I mean, it's just going to be what it's going to be. I need my license back. I just need a license plate back. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck a license. I just need a license plate back. And I always always looked at it like this when I started having kids. Like, I used to be all worried about it. And not to say that I just want an army of children out there, because I don't. Mm -hmm. But I always felt like if God gave me the kids, he would give me a way to take care of them. So, I mean, you know, I stand – like, I stay grounded in my faith when it comes to things. Like, I'm not – I'm not pressed about it. I just want to be able to get out here and drive comfortably so I can continue to make money for me and my family. But it's like I don't have no problem taking care of my kids. I know child support is just like a formality in these cases because I'm not married anymore. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it just is what it is. So I'm not I'm not even sweating it. That's what's up, man. So uh, yesterday I went and uh, I, bought an, I bought a new TV yesterday. Uh, I thought I was, I was I was thinking about having a fight party and shit, you know. Somebody else. You still haven't invited me over to the new crib, man. And you live like in my hood now. Uh, I welcomed you into the neighborhood. You, I gave you a pass. Oh, is that right? I gave you a pass. <laughs> All right. Thanks, <laughs> thanks. I appreciate it. Uh, so you know, I went and bought a new TV yesterday, and shit. I'm like, maybe I have a fight party, or whatever. Somebody else offered to throw it. I'm like, cool. But I still went and bought a TV because I wasn't sure and shit. Right. So right. Because uh, we still live in the hood. Well, we still. I mean, it's not the hood, but. It ain't safe. Because niggas, right? So I got to hide a goddamn TV in the garage and shit till, till it get dark and shit. Uh, went to Ikea, got some furniture yesterday and shit, putting this shit together. Shit took me damn near four hours. I don't put furniture together. The, I'll pay for you to come by and do it. Like, I don't in, put furniture together. Like, when I went into the showroom and shit, I mean, it's a, it's, you know what I'm saying? Look regular. I get that bitch. It's two big-ass fucking boxes, so many damn screws and all this extra shit. So... I do this shit. I, did, I couldn't. T- I didn't start to at nighttime, so I put all the shit together. You know what I mean? It took me like four hours to got to put the shit together. Put the TV up. I was gonna put it on the in front of the on the top of the fireplace, but it wouldn't fit. So I put it in my bedroom and shit. Right. Got all the connections and everything together. Turn the motherfucking TV on. This motherfucking screen broke, dog. This is like a fucking zebra, handprints and shit. Like this shit is 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 horrible. I'm like. It's 4 o'clock in the morning now and shit, and we recording this morning, Saturday morning. I'm like, what the fuck? Are they going to believe me that this shit was already broke? I just spent like- Take it back with a receipt. I got a receipt. take it to Walmart. Walmart take anything back. I bought it from Best Buy. It doesn't matter. As as long as it's stocked by Walmart, they'll take it. Well, I'm going back to Best Buy when I leave up out of here, man. They got to do something, because they got to do something. They'll give you another TV. I ain't even- but then it's then I gotta go take the TV, hide it again, and shit till it's dark. The fight night is gonna be here, so I'm gonna be out watching the fight and shit. So who knows what time I'm gonna get to? I got too much shit to be doing. Be fuck around with this shit, dog. Do you want a broke ass TV or you want one that work? 
I mean, I'm definitely getting this shit fixed. So. Uh, well, then stop complaining. Go get your TV today. All right, man. <laughs> Speaking of TVs, time for TV time. Oh, uh, man. So what are we going to start with? Power? Start with Power, dog. Uh, Tariq has been a whole-ass nigga for three and a half seasons. <laughs> like, literally, he has. He's been a, a young dirtbag. No, this two seasons. Last last season is when he started no, man. hanging with Kanan. Not even last season. Like, there's... I'm a father of a teenage son, and there's a change and a transition that a young man starts to go through when he gets in them tween years, 11, 12. Like, my oldest son wasn't my baby no more. He was like somebody I ain't really like, but you look like me. I'm responsible <laughs> for you, so I got to put up with you. Right. And that's what Tariq started turning into. Now he a full-fledged teenager. And I just equate this to my own child again. My oldest son is 14 years old. He ain't really the type of person I really like to deal with like that personally because he's snarky. He stayed to himself. He always got a, like a flipping ass attitude. He like you when you was 14. Yeah. Probably <laughs> a little bit worse because I didn't have the internet or a cell phone or like. Well, he could be selling uh Baggies at Staples uh, yeah. <laughs> at, at 14. Yeah, I mean, he could be doing some of the stupid stuff I do, but, like, he just is, that's like, a, not a desirable person right now. But that's I a get throwback it. to uh, episode one. Yeah, <laughs> but I get it. Like, this is what he's going to go through. This is just part of the process. And that's what Tariq is. And he's been a whole-ass nigga to rain all season long. Push This nigga been a uh, – he a junkie. He's been doing <laughs> – but let's just call it what it is. He a lean here. He, he a junkie. He's been doing lean – being mean as hell to Raina. And Raina done had his back all season long. Tariq been doing fuck shit and she Side ain't note, said nothing. Did you know they was twins? Are they? Yes, they are. On the show, they're, On the show, to they're supposed to be twins. Oh. Which is... is Never would have guessed it. Because yeah, he be looks weird. significantly older than her. Yeah, they the same age, which makes it even worse because you're supposed to have an extra bond with your with your, with your your twin. Yeah. Y'all was in the twins same room. Twins are mutants. That's, that's my theory. Okay. Twins are weirdos. I I dated a girl that was a twin, and like her and her sister would like finish each other's conversations. They sound exactly alike on the phone. What? Well, it's it, weird. I won't call twins weirdos. I will. Well, you know we do, we got two twin homies and shit, AJ and SJ. Okay, they're not weird. <laughs> but they definitely finish each other's sentences. Though. Yeah, it's it's just a weird ass bomb, but. Like, Tariq, you've been popping tough all season. First of all, he was pillow talking with that girl on the phone, talking about how he caught a body and he wasn't scared. Well, he tried. He, first, he held the line. He he did hold the line like, what? What are you talking about? No, I, I, I ain't got nothing. Then got no she squoles him a little bit. You supposed to be, I'm supposed to be your girl. You supposed to yeah. tell me everything. And what he do, he buckled at the knees like a little young hoe ass nigga. Nigga, that was his first piece of pussy. It's not going to be your last. Could I mean, be. You never. It could be if Ray Ray get a hold of you. Well, yeah. And then Raina tip you off that Ray Ray done came to school. You don't do nothing. Like your, you understand that your parents are criminals. Like let your mama, let somebody know so Ghost of the took care of it. But no, nah, he's still he a man. He want to take care of himself. No, he's not a man. He's, you think you a man when you're 14 until you actually run into a man and you realize exactly what the fuck you are. You're a boy, and. All this wolfing you've been doing all season long, how tough you is, you ain't say a peep when you seen Ray Ray pull out the burner on your What are you going to say? Hey, sh- what the fuck are you going to say? Take that bullet for yourself. She ain't do- She an innocent bystander. That's your sister. Your twin sister. All right. Let me let me just interject because you've been going on. Raina got killed because it was her own goddamn fault. 
fuck is you talking about? Hey, Ray Ray, I know, I knew, I saw you at my school. My, my my dad's going to kill you. I know who you are. Like, nigga, you basically said, please shoot me now. Yo ass should have been in the fucking dance. You running behind your fucking brother. Nigga said you got some shit to handle. Take your ass back in the fucking house. What he got to handle at 14, 15? Nigga trying to... He meeting up with the bitches. Shit, I don't he know. Try, he trying to get that lean and continue his junkie habit. What I'm saying is, why would you... You know that man is a killer. You know Ray Ray, who he, he a dirty cop the whole nine. So, Raina, why would you go in here and say, hey, Ray Ray, I know who you are. I see you in my my shop. Uh, my dad's going to hurt you. My, da- my dad's going to kill you, is what you said. I'm going... You asked to be shot. But Ray Ray already knew who her father was when he came back and killed them other two niggas. Like... He ain't, like, he is somebody. Yeah, but he don't know how deep, right? But you just said my father's going to kill you. I got to shoot you because you may actually be telling the truth. Uh, it's over with now. Her bad. That bullet should have been for Tariq. Hey, her bad. Her bad. Uh, what else? Game of Thrones. So uh, I felt like we watched this. Wait, 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 before that. For on part, what you think Angela said to the, to the lady to get rid of that damn job? Cause she like I don't know how that shit came about. You know what I'm saying? She wasn't going to the little thingamajiggy. And the story writing has just been a little, it's been a little choppy. It's been horrible this year. Okay, let's just call it what it is. It's yeah. been bad. So I mean, who knows? Who cares? We'll probably find out tomorrow. But I, I'm not gonna front. That was, I knew what happened to Raina already. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we With had both leaks. already seen the episode. So like that that episode was emotional for some folks. It wasn't as emotional to me. Thought that was a sad ass song that was playing when she she took the one in the chest like. Oh, you got to play some sad music. You can't throw on Bugatti and she getting shot in the chest. Hey, that shit. Uh, they should have put on DRS. This is for my home base. You got to be a certain age <laughs> to still remember that song. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Yeah, you got to be a certain YouTube age to still for that song for Gangsta Lean to still mean something to you. That is the dopest gangster song ever. I don't All right. go that far. Not going that far. The gangster uh, thug memorial song, what's better? I don't know. All right, we won. <laughs> uh, Game of Thrones, man. Game of Thrones is good as hell this week. It Even was. that was something that sprung a leak yeah, last I week. That Shout one. out to Tommy the Barber because he gave me the link. Yeah. For Game of Thrones, crispy uh, version too. Yeah, it was crystal clear. I watched it on the TV. Uh, it was a good ass episode. I think Brian is really the. You th- the Night Did you King. see that shit? Yeah. Bran could be the Night yeah, King. Yeah, Bran. Uh, and there was something like in a few seasons earlier where he met the, the children yeah, of the forest. Yeah, yeah. And they asked how, how the Night King was created and said, you created him. So now all that no, shit no, is starting to Or they say sense. something like, oh, we're, we're scared of you. Or it was some shit like it was you. And then they, they look at their pictures. I think because he can go back in time a bunch of times, uh, he probably created himself. Yeah, but it's starting to make sense. The fact that he took that dragon out the sky with a javelin throw and sunk that nigga right into the ocean. How you supposed to kill a dragon? I don't know. Like, what is that dragon going to do to the other dragons? You going to kill him with fire? I see a fucking dragon. Like, how do you kill a dragon? We'll find out next season. Yeah. Maybe dragon glass. But if the dragon glass is made by the fucking dragon, like, I don't know how you kill a dragon. We'll find out next season. That dragon, bring, an answer to that. that dragon is bringing down the ice wall, for sure. Yeah, the, the wall's coming down. Like, it's going to start coming down tomorrow night. Yeah, I'm sure it will. Um, I'm just waiting for uh, John to smash Danny, because it's going to happen. That's his cousin, auntie. It's, 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 auntie, it's, it's technically his auntie. He don't know yet, but it'll be too late once he find out. 
I mean, what do you do in that situation? You find out a chick you was kicking it with is like really a sister or really a cousin that just don't nobody talk about. What do you do? You stop smashing? Yes. <laughs> That's the first thing that you do. Uh, then you just, you know, bury your head in shame and never speak out of speak about it again. But what Seek if there's like feelings involved? Seek counseling. You get over it, dog. Counseling ain't gonna stop the the insertion that already took place. Hey man, get over it, man. Okay. People, I mean if, if people, it's that simple. People break up every day. And then uh last good show that we always watch, Insecure. Yes. Uh I feel like the writing on Insecure is like I'm sitting in a room full of my friends. Mm. Like is sometimes when you get like black TV shows, the writing is either stereotypical or it's like too far the other way. Yeah. Like Insecure is like perfect for how like young young adults talk to talk to talk and interact with one another. And I think that uh Lawrence's behavior is very typical and very is is what typically would happen. Like I don't necessarily care about Issa. Really, really I mean I care about her but I don't. But when I look on social media and I see you still fucking with the nigga that you cheated on me with I feel a certain type of way. Not because I want you back, but it's like, wait a minute. You said that was a mistake. Nah. Like, I, I'm, I'm You're you going to look through it on Facebook. I feel like when you break up, you break up. There's no there's no grace period. All rules are off. Like, if you single, she can do what she want to do. So, And it's Lauren's fault. Like, I know that may not be a popular opinion to take, but it's his fault. I didn't think that they uh, truly gave an accurate representation of what happened. In terms of what? My man was like, uh, she was taking care of you or some shit. Like, the nigga had, was paying his bills with his savings account. Like, what would you, you weren't paying the bills. But Lawrence didn't, but also Lawrence didn't defend himself in that moment. Like, nah, I was doing this, this, and that. Like, he, maybe that's what really did happen. Maybe she was really taking care of that nigga. I mean, they already said it in the show, though. You know what I'm saying? I ain't making He was probably helping out a little bit. Helping out with the cable. Throwing $30 on the rent. I, I need Molly to chill the fuck out. Like you got, you found out your dad cheated thirty years ago. You probably not even thirty. Uh, and then you run out screaming, crying, and then you go fuck a married man. I always say that cheating is not a deal breaker. You can get past cheating. Well, not as the daughter, apparently. Uh, that's that. That ain't your battle. Like your mama dealt with it. Like I said, it was a lifetime ago. People it was, can get past cheating. Because what the auntie was like, uh, I didn't think they was going to make five years because of what she did. Now, this is their 35th wedding anniversary. So whatever happened, happened well over 30 years ago. Why she she blowing now, up? Now, why are you still talking about it? First, Auntie Gertrude, shut your damn mouth. <laughs> like, this ain't the time or the place for that. Right. And if it happened and they dealt with it, like, cheating is between the parties that are involved. And you can get past cheating. I always say it's not a deal. Depending on the situation, cheating doesn't have to be a deal breaker. Until everybody find out. And yeah, once now, now once people start finding out, then it becomes harder to deal with because you got other people involved in that shit. Also, if you broke up with a chick and then you look at her social media and you seen her hugged up or real friendly with one of your homeboys, you looking at that fucking Instagram page. No fucking one doubt about it. my homeboys? Or, or a nigga that you know. That you, you, y'all may not be homeboys or friend, but you know of. You you are looking through the you looking. You know what, man? I can even speak for myself personally. There was a woman that I dealt with. We broke up, and I knew there was somebody in between us. Yeah, because we ended up getting back together and being cool. And they still like had a rapport, mm-hmm. like somewhat after we got back together. I can't do nothing about what happened when I'm not around. Like, and maybe that's just me. Like, I don't I can't do nothing. But that don't that don't that don't. 
I wasn't looking at his social media. I didn't give a fuck. Like, I gotta trust shit at, at what is worth. I look at strangers' social media. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you you go you you on the comment section of some shit. People going back and forth. You look at their motherfucking profile. You mean to tell me that you're not gonna look at all? I didn't. I didn't care. How long ago care. was this? This was years ago. Nah, this this is, is, social media is different from years ago. I mean, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, that shit was still popping, but this is at least like four or five years ago. Like, this was like damn near fresh out my Well, marriage. I say that to say this. I thought, the, the right, speaking of the writing, I think that's a very natural thing, and I think how that played out, because that's typically what happens. The same way that she found out that he was messing with old girl, she went through her social, like, that's that's just what happens these days and shit. Yeah. Um, so, but I did also get caught up caught up on some shit with social media too so I mean I can see where it helps and where it hinders because yeah. I got caught in some wild shit final because qu- of my social media final question on Insecure do you think my man is actually in an open marriage or is that all hell no hell no he ain't in no open marriage it's open while me and you together but you better not mention that shit to my wife <laughs> no he's not in no open marriage black people don't do open marriages yeah. they'll do open relationships but a, but a marriage is something different, um, yeah. and I'm not and I'm not just trying to generalize. But black women take marriage a little bit differently than than some other races. Like black women of a what age? <sighs> Your age range or younger? Younger, I think, take it a little bit serious. Take yeah. it a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Our age range, relationships have turned into something else. Well, I'm just thinking relationships have evolved into something else. Anyway, and I think in some instances the the institute of marriage is prehistoric. Yeah, we had. A, yeah, we, we talked about that season. Like, do your googles, go through go through old episodes. We yeah, talked about the marriage, marriage. episode. What is it yeah. it's the marriage episode? In uh, marriage is overrated. Yeah, some marriage instances. is overrated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, it's we, a faith based business. We may have to reboot that. And you know, bring some some ladies in and talk about that. You know who I would love to get in here for that episode? Who's that? Fonzo and Vanessa. Yeah, they're one of my favorite married couples. Yeah, and the, the Fonzo and Vanessa episode that we actually taped, we never put it out. Yeah, because it was fucked up. Yeah, but so um, they're one of my favorite people to talk to. Oh together, yeah, we can make that happen collectively. Yeah, we can make that happen. All right, man. Um, Music pick for the week. Yeah. Uh, I really didn't care about this rapper for a long time because I just felt like he didn't. He caught, he probably could have went on the list of rappers I believed in because he had some hits, and then he just got quiet. Ace Hood dropped a new project. Okay, trust the process, and I really didn't care about. Like I was a huge fan of Bugatti. I thought that song was amazing, and that if you would have gave that song to say Meek Mills, it would have did. That song did wonderful. It would it did wonderful, but if you would have gave given that beat and that song to a bigger artist, it probably would have did more. And even if he had a like a great remix to go with it, it probably would have lasted a little bit longer. Like who knew that was Ace's song? I mean, Future was on there. He was Rick Ross. Rick Ross. Like that's a, you couldn't get no bigger artists on there. Like, yeah, but then the lead artist on the song wasn't. Who cares? I'm just saying, like, if you want the song to grow legs, sometimes, like, sometimes beats and songs are bigger than the artists. Like, Memphis Bleak was supposed to have uh, the Woe beat. Could you imagine Memphis Bleak rapping on Woe? No, the song was bigger than bigger than Bleak. Because you heard Woe. <laughs> it, but sometimes it's a perfect marriage. 
But anyway, I saw an Ace Hood interview on The Breakfast Club, and mm-hmm. he was talking about his new project. And just listening to him talk about him, himself, his family, it got me interested. So I, took, so I, I checked out the project. It's solid all the way through. 13 tracks. My favorite ones on here are Blessed, uh, Passion, and then uh, Come With my Posse, Come With The Posse. I thought it was a solid project uh, from top to bottom. I'm not mad at Ace Hood. And he can rap. He Ace Hood like always he's, could rap. Yeah, like he's not a slouch behind the he, mic. He, he may not have a personality that you gravitate to, but he's he not can even rap. a personality or anything like that. Y- y'all know what killed Ace Hood. DJ Khaled. No. What? That shit on the on the red carpet with Bow Wow when his bezel of his watch fell off. He became a meme. Oh, and niggas man, fuck I with forgot him about that. Like, that's when they stopped fucking with him. The bezel of his watch came off. Bow Wow was like, oh shit. He said some shit, and then he became a meme, and he wasn't cool no more. And after that happens, you can make the hottest music in the world. If people don't fuck with you, they're not going to fuck with you. I thought Khaled became the biggest star of his label and it kind of dimmed nah. the light on me. People just stopped. I mean, he was. A, it was once you become a meme, unless you're like a superstar or some shit, it's Michael a Jordan is a meme and niggas still fuck with MJ. Because Michael. The crying Jordan face is iconic. But it's Jordan. Still a meme. Like, unless you like a, a, super, a superstar who is already solidified. Once you a meme and, and niggas don't fuck with you no more. When Connor hit the canvas tonight, he's gonna become the next huge meme. Yeah, let's talk about who man's is this. Uh, I gotta give Connor McGregor, Connor McGregor the whose man's is this for though. what? What did he do? So yesterday, uh, so all week, the fight is at 154 pounds. Uh, Floyd always in tip top shape, and of course, right? He gets on the scale before this. Connor gets on the scale. Monday, Connor still weighed 164 pounds. He still he 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 hadn't got the weight off. Wednesday, he was like at 162 pounds. You still got to cut this weight. Like you've been in camp all this time. Now you got to kill your body in order to to make this fucking weight. And Floyd was telling him like, "Hey, we know I, I know everything is going on in your camp. He's at this weight, whatever. He's on seven IVs, uh, which are is which is illegal. But we're not gonna get into that. You on these IVs because you dehydrated trying to make this weight." He gets on the scale. He looks like one of the Walking Dead. Face is all sunk in. You can see the bones in his head. You know what I'm saying? He came in at 153. He came in under just to prove, I guess, to, to prove some sort of point. But he looked like skin and bones. He real. He'll be 170 tonight. He Easy. Is, I'm saying, but his lips is all ashy and dry. The second he stepped off of the weight, I mean, stepped off of the scale, he grabbed the water and started drinking. That's how you know somebody rate drained and they not they didn't they didn't prepare correctly. There's a, there's a proper way to cut weight, and yeah. then there's the drastic way to cut weight. Correct. He definitely went the drastic way. Floyd gets on the scale, fights at 154. He signs. He he steps on the scale at 149, two pounds over his regular limit. You yeah. know what I mean? Cut up, diesel, blah, blah, blah. Gets off the scale, don't go for no water. You know what I'm saying? Doing all this thing. Floyd gets on the – I mean, uh, Connor gets on the mic and says, this is the worst shape I've ever seen Floyd in. Look at him. He's full of water weight. You 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 look terrible. Blah blah blah. You didn't. What the fuck are you talking about? That's Con- that's Connor's whole game. Is just a wolf. who man's is this? Are you are you are you you are the only one who believes? And this hey, more, more power to you. You believe in the fight. Great. You got. If you don't believe in yourself, who else will? But you trying to convince somebody. You trying to convince yourself. This is the worst shape you ever. Did you see this nigga? He forty one. Damn near forty one years old. Nigga's in tip-top shape. He incredible shape. Incredible shape. Ripped the fuck up. 
But let's just play it on the other end. If Connor wins tonight, Vegas will burn to the ground by Sunday morning. Yeah, but before that, who the fuck mans is this? You keep trying to prove that you beat Pauly Malinaji. You keep putting out the same clip in four different angles. Pauly is a 36-year-old, out-of-shape, retired announcer, and you went life and death with this nigga. Who man is this? Who believes this man going to win? Who not white and not a UFC fan? Uh, you'd be hard pressed to find somebody that believes. I mean, for real, like this is is absurd. It is truly absurd. Tonight is going down. He's gonna catch a beating. He's gonna catch the Arturo Gotti beating from two thousand and five. So we we can both agree that Florida's gonna win this fight. I'm saying it's only gonna go six rounds, tops. Nine tops. I think I'm I'm thinking early, but like you want to bet something on it? No, it's Vegas. <laughs> I mean, it's a Vegas is a big fight. But only reason I say because. I want Connor is gonna come in the ring at 170 pounds. You know what I mean? Uh, he's gonna be 20 pounds or so heavier. Um, and I can't fault Connor or Floyd if he's just a, a tough, durable guy. Like you may take an actual beating. It's either gonna be a, a knockout via a body shot. We gonna go down for 10 seconds. You think Floyd gonna chop the tree down all night? 100. percent Okay. Uh, 100. percent And. Connor throws punches and leaves himself open for uppercut. His chin is always out. He's just too wild. You know what I mean? But if he don't get dropped on a body shot, they're going to throw the towel in. He's going to get peppered with shots until it's a wrap. You're going to catch a beating that you deserve because you talk way too much shit. Catch his beating. I go with that. Uh, what else happened in sports this week? The Cleveland Browns. We talked about it last week. Hugh Jackson was like he didn't want – yeah. Want the young guys taking a knee. We talked about Hugh, Hugh Jackson ho ass and how he wanted uh, his his folks to not participate. And once he caught a little bit, he he tried to re, he tried to retract his statement. Tap danced on it a little bit. It was too late. Yeah, you put the truth out there, and about a about a dozen of your players took a knee and prayed for the country. Yeah, they took a knee and white players as well. Yes, yeah, two Seth, white people. Two Seth white Devell was yeah. like, the, and um, Howie Long's son was the first person to come out. Um, and stand with everybody, make a statement, and why he did it. And then um, my man was like, um, "I'm raising children that are biracial, that are biracial, and this and it matters to me." And I think they did the best possible thing. That you, it's un, it's unbeatable. I kneeled, but I said I was praying, and I said I was praying for the country. You can't say shit. What what's your argument? Oh oh. Oh, don't pray during the national anthem. Ain't no prayers before the game, son. Keep that in the lock. <laughs> keep Jesus in the locker room and the Cleveland Browns you on the field. You can't say nothing. That's all. You, that's all everybody got to do now. Oh yeah, I was praying. Beast mode don't be praying. He just be sitting. Yeah. Shout out to them, dog. I'm not with the fuck shit. I haven't watched NFL. Um, I haven't watched any preseason games. I haven't watched ESPN. I haven't made a conscious effort to boycott, but. I'm just not feeling them right now. I mean, I'll be perfectly honest. I don't care about preseason. I caught the Lions game last night, and that was only because I was at B-dubs. Like, if I had been watch, at the crib. I'm a Lions fan. I watch all the Lions games. I haven't watched any this year. I just ain't been feeling it. Um, I don't watch ESPN no more. It's been Fox Sports 1. I love Skip and Shannon, a.k.a. Shannon Show. Um, Skip is just there. And uh, Shannon is great for the culture. He, is, uh, he, he gets on there and represents 100% of the time. Yeah. And don't let no slick shit get by him either. He just need a mustache or a bow tie. <laughs> either one. Like, black man with no mustache, if you don't got no bow tie and a bean pie, I, I, I don't trust you. Barack didn't have a mustache. I don't trust him either. Okay. That's fair. Anybody who was the president of the United States is untrustworthy. Uh, that's neither here nor there. Don't email me. 
<laughs> Don't email me. <laughs> uh, speaking of presidents of the United States, 45 has set the record for the lowest approval record of any any president. Are you surprised? Not at all. Okay. And that's all the, that's all the shine I would like to give to him this week. Uh, what else? R. Kelly is accused of sleeping with another young girl. Again, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Before we get into whatever the, they say, R. Kelly did he did that shit. He did that. Shit. <laughs> uh, two things I want to talk about: John Jones um, hurt my fucking feelings, dog. Pop. Uh, so last week we kind of did we touch on him beating um, uh, Daniel, Daniel Cormier, Cormier. Uh, but he came back uh, neck positive for steroids after he was. Oh, it's just junkies like to get high, plain and simple. And just call it just call it what it is. He like I think that's what it is. I think you misplaced that one. I don't. I've uh, dealt I with I think cheaters cheat. I think he's a cheater. Uh steroids don't mean you're a junkie. I think he's a cheater and he's been he's probably been using steroids for a lot of his fights. Um and I think it's mental. He for whatever reason you think that you're not good. You you are the most gifted UFC fighter in history of UFC. Is he really though? Have you seen his resume? He, I have. I he think, is the best UFC fighter in the history of UFC. And I think Anderson Silva was a much better fighter. How? There was a point in time where Anderson Silva was probably one of the most feared and probably one of the best natural fighters ever. I think Anderson Silva was a better fighter than John Jones. So we, uh, he was very he was definitely entertaining um, the way he threw punches and dodged and ducked. But as far as a complete fighter. Anderson Silver is not a complete fighter at all. He's 100% stand-up. He has no takedown game. Like He's 100% he's stand-up. He's choked a few out. And he got he's knocked choked a, a few out. And he's been knocked the fuck out multiple times. Then John Jones came in the game at a young age taking on legend after legend. Like his, his, his resume is full of legendary fighters. But MMA isn't the type of fighting game where people just go on undefeated runs. Like He's em- undefeated. No, because he's losing every time to cocaine, and he's also is losing to steroids. He's not undefeated. I mean, cocaine was outside the ring. He he ain't never lost. He ain't never lost in that ring. He is undefeated, and he has beat some. When you look at his resume, who's on his resume? Those are the all-time great fighters in UFC. Put an asterisk next to it because we don't know if he was juiced up. Like you, once you come out, once they come out that you've been on steroids, then people ask start any questioning U- everything. Ask any UFC fighter; they say ninety percent of them niggas is on on the juice. Now he was dumb enough to get popped. It is what it is. You know what I feel about steroids, and maybe this isn't popular. That like just in all sports, just let them use them. And this was a banned steroid, not like banned just for the UFC. Like this should actually get you put in, in jail for it. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is like banned in the U.S. Like, you're not supposed to have the shit. Just let them take steroids. It's your body. It's your decision. We ultimately want to see the most brutal fight possible. So, I mean, yeah. turn it into a video game. Juice them up. Put your player rating all the way up to 99 and just smash the buttons and go at it. All right, man. And the final topic before we get into the uh, the real meat and potatoes of this episode is the Jay-Z title Rap Radar podcast. Part two was just released, but yeah. part one was last week. Um, very very dope interview. Uh, very inspiring. To be perfectly honest. Yeah. Can we also say that Jay Z maybe not has maybe has not had any missteps in his career, or he's minimized them. He definitely had a few missteps. Give me a few. He's even sunshine. Yeah, that was a terrible video. Yeah, that was he, a terrible video. He, he he even said like he said Annie almost killed him. He said he could have got killed with Annie. Like <laughs> <laughs> it's a hard night. Yeah. Like. like 
that he was lucky that it worked out, but like, eh, you know what I'm saying? That was kind of that was kind of iffy joint. Hard Knock Life was probably the put his career on a different traje- trajectory that helped start it. Yeah, uh, I mean, Ethan. It's <laughs> you know I mean? uh, a misstep. I mean, I know. Uh, I, we're not gonna have that argument again. Man. Yeah. So, but uh, it was very inspiring, man. To be perfectly honest, and uh, to hear the thought process behind that, he, you know, he talked about he confirmed what we talked about on this podcast. Uh, episode of uh, shit I was right about when I said about the future line wasn't distant future it was just some clever wordplay you know what I'm saying he went and said the exact same shit we also talked about he never told you not to put money to your ear that's like, just not money to us that's yeah all. like those two things we said right here get it right another shit we was right about uh, we're always right for sure uh, I need to write a book called shit I was right about volume two um, and It'll be like a newspaper. Hey Amen. Pay six. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a picture book and shit. <laughs> and I just thought the uh, the comments about um, Levar Ball, the ownership, and how we did like why we just be so fucking mad when somebody try to own their own shit. Like I, we work against each other. I just don't, I just don't understand the shit. Everybody was mad at Levar. Like, why are you starting your own shoe? Why don't you work for Nike? Why the fuck I don't? Like, why would why would I? So I thought that was real dope, man. I haven't listened to part two. If you don't bet on yourself, like, who who else should you be betting on? Yeah. Like, I remember when we first started this podcast and when we first decided to get this podcast studio, there were people in my inner circle was like, are you sure this is a good <laughs> idea? And let me tell you something. We ain't never been short on a rent. Right. <laughs> we, we keep the lights on and we ain't never been short on a rent. We stepped out here on faith. And it's been working. Yeah. And this year has probably been one of our has been our best year. Yeah. Every week, like I know we I, gain more listeners every week. Yeah. We've had bigger guests this year, and it still continues to grow. And like I said, the rent ain't never late. The lights ain't never off. Yeah, and we big we big every week. So I think this conversation about uh, Jay Z title um, ownership ownership and stepping out there on faith and trying to do some some great things is a perfect transition. Uh, so we can introduce our guest this week. Yeah. Uh, please introduce yourself. Y'all had like the dopest introduction, <laughs> so I couldn't uh, I couldn't top all that. Um, this is Rafa Wright, um, Detroit entrepreneur, entrepreneur, entrepreneur hustler, um, Eastsider, uh, trying to be community leader, uh, upcoming grocery store owner. On yeah. the east side of Detroit. Can I hold the belt while I talk? Oh, while I, talk to <laughs> I hold the belt, man. We hold the belt, man. You got that championship belt. The Eagle. Hold the belt. The Hulk yeah. Hogan championship yeah, belt. Yeah, man. Yeah, this yeah, this is the Golden Eagle. The first the first Hulk Hogan, the Hulk Hogan joint. Then the Steve Austin had the broken one, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm a little, I know my history a little bit. Man, you know, I'm a I am the classic WWF better than WWE, that's just my opinion. And then that whole attitude era, that was me. After the attitude era I kinda fell off. You know. But it was dope after that because then you had the real wrestlers then, yeah. like 01, 02, 03, from like 05 before it got like PG. That was the best wrestling that WWE I've been ever that. had. I've been hearing that. So You should get back into I'm, I'm, it. You got to get back into it. I think I may. That um, I think I may. Um, but just in general, I would you know explain how, how, our, uh, how I came across, I guess, is uh, I was just online on Twitter, and I saw somebody tweet or retweet. Said I'm trying to open. I'm trying to open a, a black-owned 
um, grocery, grocery store, store in the yeah. city of Detroit, and I thought that was dope. So I just started following it and, and, and reading the tweets, and I just reached out. I'm like, cause uh, I want to, I want to talk to the brother, and I, I commend him, and I want to talk to him. And so and I think for myself, it was like early in the year, the Metro Times had a write up about. Uh, you and your endeavors to try and open up the grocery store. So if you don't mind, just open up a little bit to us about that. Like what what brought about the idea to bring a, a black-owned grocery store to Metro Detroit? Uh, two, I got two reasons. Um, one is financial, economic. Uh, that was kind of the – and I didn't think about the second one until, like, it really hit me. But the first one was just about economics. You know, we talk about – uh, building the black community. We talk about buying black, building black. You can't do that if you're not taking care of your essentials. Like, mm-hmm. if you're not taking care of who feeds you, you're not right. feeding your own people, you can't lead your people. If you're not providing the medicine for your hood, if you're not providing the shelter and all of that stuff, economic development is ass backwards. Right. You know, we just pretty much renting in our own space. We not really building anything. We're not taking care of our own if we don't tackle food, if we don't tackle medicine, if we don't tackle banking, all of that stuff. So um, I can't do all of those things, at least not right now. So let's start with the first one. The second one ran into after the first one was like, I'm a diabetic. And it's like, Oh, it makes sense. We got to eat better. You know yeah. what I'm saying? We dying. You know what I mean? Literally. Like, I shaved a quarter of my life off, period, just from being diabetic. No matter how much work I put into fighting the disease and, and maintaining a, a level of health, I'm already, by by standards and metrics, going to live 20 years less than I could. So, you know, we can't bring our kids into that same situation. Our parents really didn't know. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Our parents worked a lot, and and that's the first thing you're going to do. You're going to work 16 hours. You're going to get off. And like, I can't. I, I don't have the energy to cook no meal. Let's go to McDonald's. Let's go. And, you know, the kids going to love it, but look at what it's really doing to us. Poison. Yeah. Like, literally poison. And uh, I think, you know, I got them all different views. Like we, we, they poison the food. We eat the food, then we get sick, then we go to the doctor, then they give us more medicine. It's just little, this, this continuous cycle. This I mean, cycle. I, I work in a pharmacy myself, and there's no, there's no money in the cure, but there's money in that progressive, uh, in keeping you on that medication. Yeah. That's that's where the money comes from. Yeah, and the corporate hand is going to keep it that way. Where you have like a doctor CV now, you mm-hmm. know, we've had the. The, the the mishaps with the hair and all that stuff, but you had a person who was a doctor who would say, look, this is what you need to do to live, not, you know, this is what you do to mask it. And that's what corporate pharmacies and corporate medicine does is just mask anything. There's exactly. no that, there's no outright cures for nothing. They're going to do two things. Either I'm going to cut it out of you or I'm going to give you something to hide the symptoms. And, yeah. like, that's it. Like, you go to a doctor, you take this medicine, you won't feel it anymore. Oh, we're just going to take this shit out of you. Like, no, why don't you tell me why this happened? Why don't you tell me what led to this? All the cancers and all the different things in the world, I'm 100% sure it's something that we eat every single day causing this stuff. That you just you think it's healthy. 
and you're doing it every single day. And that's the reason that we got a lot of this shit. And it's intentional because, you know, as I got deeper in this, because you might, like, I'm a, I was a capitalist, which I still am. I'm about money. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, this became a social endeavor. This became something I really care about because I want the people to really, you know, take that real chance of, you know, just being better outright. But I started doing research on marketing, food marketing. The the way that they market in the poor hoods all across America is intentional and is aggressive to say that Apple is not cool. This Pepsi is. Mm, this yeah. burger is. Those chili cheese fries, that's cool. So you need to eat that. You need to do that. It's intentional, it's aggressive, and it's very just in your face. When you go in the suburbs, you don't see that. You do not see it. You see an alternative. You see you can eat this or you can eat that. You don't have that in the hood. You just have don't eat, don't eat good. Don't exercise. Just, you know, boom, here go this chili, here go this Coney Island. Eat that. And then if you get sick, take that. And there's no real natural remedies or medities of anything. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And it's intentional. It's intentional and it's, it's, it's killing us. And yeah. we got to take control of that if we're talking about really banding up and, and, and uplifting our folks. We really got to feed our folks. Lead the uh, liquor store pizza alone. Though it is really tasty. Yeah, man. Arts <laughs> on seven miles. They got a lot of my money back throughout the years. Yeah, on the east side is a spot they got like bread, like like cheese bread. I mean, I still go and and that's another thing where it's like we don't hate I don't hate the folks that's making that bread. They pulled off the biggest heist in American history to go into another ethnicity's neighborhoods and, and just make all the money. That I, I if we could, we could we should have did it too. But now it's time for y'all to leave, especially if y'all are not about you know uplifting the community and really right. building the community up. If you just finna you know bleed us of our bread and our our wealth, you know y'all gotta go. I don't hate them for it; they just gotta go. It's our turn, you know. It's it's some new blood, it's some new energy in the hood, and it's time to really change. Absolutely. Uh, so, what kind of challenges have you um, come across trying to open up this uh, grocery store? Uh, first, it, 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 honestly, it comes from us. You know, we we was just, we all were just talking about the Jay Z um, rap radar interview and how you know it's always us that's looking at us like you really trying to do this? You yeah. really trying to start that? That's the biggest barrier. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, my my saying is the same. The table is set. Like I'm a humble guy, but I'm gonna be honest. In America, we were not talking about food deserts. Mm. We wasn't talking about black-owned grocery stores until I said I wanted to open one. And then it started to become an everyday conversation in a lot of circles. Like, you got to make it a point to say, hey, we need that black-owned grocery store. Why? Because it makes sense. Like, damn, we really don't have none. But that's the biggest barrier is us. The other stuff that's coming up, you know, real estate opportunities are being shut down on us and, and – um you know, but everything else is there. The food is there, you know, and the money is really there. We just got to pull our chair up and eat. We got to come correct, and we got to tackle that real estate element. The original idea was for me to lease this space on the east side of my neighborhood, um, but that was me following, like, the the, the, the standard set, okay. and I said, no, nah, we got to buy this building. So um, when we went to the table, uh, we started dancing around prices and, and you know, the, that party that I was originally talking to didn't want to sell. Mm. So we walked away and said we got to find a building. That's the biggest barrier right now outside of just our people kind of, 
you know, one in, one foot in, one foot out. We gotta find the space. We but we gotta own the space. Period. Right. We cannot lease. We cannot rent. We gotta own that boy so that we can really do something. Cause it's bigger than food. It's about ownership and it's really about empowerment. And we can't empower unless we own. I mean, it's it's unfortunate. You look at like a lot of the neighborhoods that we kind of grew up in, live in. You got people renting there. 20, 30 years, they never, they never own the home that they sleep in and call their own. Man, I, I don't remember who said this. It's like there's no such thing as a black community. You have black people who are living and renting inside of a white community. I mean, until you own your houses, until you school uh, the children, until you feed people, like this is, that's not a black community. Y'all just living here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you, you can teach a fisherman to fish. But if they don't own the pond, you know what I'm saying? It's just a waste of time. Yeah. It's a waste of skill. Because <laughs> you're going to always be playing from behind. I don't really care how skilled you are. And I had to learn that the hard way. You know, I, I really thought I had it together. Started some businesses, had some wins, hit a few home runs, and I just really realized that I ain't really got nowhere. I don't care how much money I made or how much money is in my pocket at this current state, I ain't no better than the person on the street begging for, you know, can I pump your gas for a dollar? I ain't no better than them because I have not engineered a plan to buy the block to really put forth a real wealth building uh, system for our people. I'm no better than the next man that's begging because I had opportunity to do it many times and just like other people, that's why I'm really challenging anybody that say they making money, anybody that's out here on the ground like posting and flexing and all of that, you ain't doing nothing unless you building your people up, period. You got to you gotta build your people up because it's, it's, it's scary to flex in the hood and you're the only one doing it. Yeah. And that's then you become a target. And that's where I'm at in life. Like, I hit a real social glass ceiling where it's like, do I buy that chain? Do I buy that car? Like, we should not want to have nice things. But when you around the sharks, you have no choice but to question it. So what? what's the antidote? You need to put people on. So that everybody got something, we got to worry about that. And then, like, just growing up, Everybody have this goal of everybody getting out the hood and, you know, having this great life. But, like, if we actually just thought about the reasons that you want to leave the hood, it's two reasons. It's unclean and it's unsafe. So how about you just clean up your neighborhood and make it safe? You don't got to leave the hood. Just stay there. Like, we, we live in a great city. There's great houses all through the east side on the west. These are big houses. They got Beautiful mansions homes. everywhere. You know what I'm saying? Like, make your, make your neighborhood safe. Keep it clean. I don't got to move to the suburbs. I will stay right here. And when you talk about that, like the pockets of the city that are safe, that do look beautiful, it's because there's a lot of community action behind it. My father stays in North Rosedale Park. If you look at those houses like along like Seven Mile, Outer Drive, yeah. like the Livernois area, like those homes are beautiful because the people in the community, That's why I moved back to the city. Them. I ain't lived in the city since 2006 maybe. You know what I'm saying, but I'm not about to. I'm not about to be standing on the outside like, man, look, look where I used to live at. Now someone else lives there. You know what I mean? No, I, I move back to the city, man. I want to be a part of it. And we complain about like gentrification, and you know, you can't get mad if somebody see 
what you don't see. Right. It start with love. Like you gotta love. Like when I when I say make the hood great again, our people argue with me all the time saying, "Well, the hood was never great." But if you think it was never great, that's why it's in the shape it's in. Like because you don't care. But guess what? You seeing more and more outsiders just slipping in because they care. They know that land is valuable. Mm-hmm. They know the exactly. money there is valuable. So they slipping in, and they they slowly but surely in five years they gonna take it, they gonna take it all if we don't jump in and do something. Ownership, man, because ain't nowhere where they printing land. Yeah, and <laughs> and I read an article on the they were saying like a big hurdle in the in the efforts to gentrify outside of the downtown new center areas that a lot of older people holding on to their property and just like no, I ain't going. I'm not going nowhere. And a lot of us like. If you look at it like if you still are fortunate enough to have like your grandparents still around, like they might grandma might have been in that house 30, 40 years, and it may not mean shit to you, but that's her house. 100%. And she ain't going nowhere. One hundred percent. Uh I was watching um Tariq. He was doing uh he was doing a live Facebook or whatever, and he was walking through Dearborn. Um and he was like, Man, he was just like, Look at these houses. Like you see this regular house? And then three houses down, somebody's fixed their house up and turned into like a mini mansion and whatever, whatever. And like in this same community, you have all different type of income types, all different type of houses here because they didn't band together and say, this is our area. This is our community. And this is where we want to stay. And we got to do the same thing. Exactly. Like you want to fix up a neighborhood. I'm not. No, Miss Mary down the street, not selling her house. But that don't mean you still can't renovate everything else. All the money that you was going to feel, why don't you give Miss Mary a couple of dollars and put some new side on her house? You know yeah. what I'm saying? Renovate what's already there and build up. I mean, because God bless, like, until my grandmother passed, like, she stayed in that same house 30 years. And we would tell her, you know, Granny, maybe it's time to go. Nah. Until she could not take care of herself anymore, like, she stayed in that house. Mm. And she had no one... In her mind, she was going to pass it down to us. Yeah. Yeah, but, like, she had no intentions of ever leaving. Yeah, but and like we going to like the the Korean communities. It's law. You gotta you have to invest into the community or you gonna get shamed. You know, I ain't gonna say they gonna kill you, nothing like that. I don't really know, but you can't walk around in them streets knowing that you didn't put no money up for the building fund. Yeah. You got you have to. That's the law. When you when when you have your brothers and sisters that come over from Korea and they move in, you supposed to loan them some money. You supposed to put them on. And you supposed to contribute to that pot that's gonna make sure that the grass is cut in every street, every house is straight, every home is without not without, every building is is has something in it. You have to make sure that that's up. And that's what they do in every other community, every they other nationality except, except us. They all do it. Man, I know this is not a popular opinion. I done had arguments about this with different folks, whatever. Man, but I think we need to start attaching a level of shame to this, some of the shit that we're doing. I know everybody out here got their little things. They hustle. They do everything like that, right? But it got to be some sort of level of shame because we make this some, some of this shit look cool. You know what I mean? I got into an argument over the drug trade versus different things and which one is, quote-unquote, the, the scum of the earth for our communities and different shit. Like, you shouldn't be—I I feel that you are a worst person, a worst person if you know how we have been treated and marginalized in this country and, and put down. Once you finally make it out because of some legal activities, you get all these flashy things and everything, and then you shit on the same people 
in the same neighborhoods that you just came from, I look at you as worse than the people who have always oppressed us because you know what it feel like and then you do it you do it as well. So there got to be some sort of, of shame where if you got all this money, you're doing all these different things and you haven't put back into the community, we should look at you and clown you. I agree. Yeah. I agree. And you we t- t- you know, I agree. I'm saying but you talking about like the drug game or anything else like every community in America was built off blood. Mm-hmm. Everyone. I don't care what ethnicity, they all were built off blood. Some underhanded, if it was drugs or some type of crime, extortion, whatever. Every community was built off it, but everybody had that elite class of the godfather type figures who said, this is what we finna do. We finna put people on because the more people that's straight, the more we gonna be able to survive. And we just the only ones that was we were given the game backwards. You know, we we were given the game as backwards. And that's how it should be. If you at, if you at the table with your team and you got the big plate and they eating the scraps, they always gonna be looking at ways to to get where you are. Now, if you sitting at the table and we all eating good, we all bosses, we all living all right, all our kids straight, then it's like how can we how can we become better? Right. 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 And, you know, a lot of people don't look at that when I when I talk to people, especially like our elders, and they always like shame the drug does and all that. I'm like, that's how you really rinse it. You know, when Jay-Z said it now, sure. that's how you really rinse it. That, that's that's a stimulus of income. That's all this money right here in one pot is what you do with it is what makes it scum right. or make it yep. productive. Because, you know, mama don't say nothing about her son slanging shit until he stopped paying her rent. You know, yeah. when he paying her bills and all that, she knows effed up, but she going to really kick it with it because he, he, he put peeling off every month. She ain't got no issues. There's groceries in there and all that good stuff. But every community is like that, though. They all like that. And just imagine if all the, all the street money that's out here, somebody took all that and invested it back in the hood. <sighs> investing it back in the schools, investing it back in your, in your neighborhood, community center, whatever. Or... The grocery store. <laughs> yeah, I mean they'll make it. They'll make it illegal when we do it, though. Either when we wake up, then it'll be illegal. Yeah. Then they'll say, "Oh, nah, y'all are tripping." But we've all done it. We just got to find our angles. We all got. We have to find our angles. We need to take advantage of all the opportunities that's here. Like before 2012, we couldn't crowd invest. You know what I'm saying? Before 2012, GoFundMe and Kickstart and all that, it was just literally donating for creative causes yep. or medical causes. Now Tech. you can donate for a business, whatever it is. Like I don't have to have $2 million no more to say I'm going to do a fundraiser to open this next business. Now you can just do it. You know what I'm saying? We got to take advantage of all of that. We, we, you know, we're cool. You know, and that's why I think that what I'm trying to do um, with, I don't know, I'll take that back, what I'm going to do um, because I'm cool. You know what I'm saying? Like you, do you, that's why grocery stores kind of died. It ain't cool to shop in a grocery store, but the way I'm kicking it is going to be cool. Yeah. And it ain't going to die because we ain't going to let it die. But we're cool doing it. We got to make these things cool. We have to make, we need to show our kids it's cool to eat a salad. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It ain't, it, ain't, it ain't lame if you eating a baked chicken versus the fried chicken. You know, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. like we said last week, so no, tomorrow is the... Uh, Backpack giveaway and community day at uh, Tommy's Barbershop on 8971 Linwood. So come out between noon to 5 to get free backpacks, free haircuts, hairstyles for kids, all that. Uh, but as we kind of said last week, we need folks to come out there and dress right, dress cool. Like the kids need to see that it's cool people out here giving back so they know that it's just not no, 
oh, this man's 60 years old. Of course, he talk, he he going to try to kick game. No, I need to see you pull up in your nice cars and your jewelry and everything like that and let them know that this shit cool too, man. It's cool to give back. Yeah. Uh, but you didn't just start like um, wake up one day and say, hey, I'm going to open up a grocery store. You've been putting in work um, shit since the age of 13. Yeah, yeah. I always knew what I wanted to do. Um, and I think that's what kind of uh, – put me in a better position to do it um, entrepreneurially rather um, because a lot of people dance around what they I knew what I wanted to do at an early age mm-hmm. so at that point trial and error was just my best teachers from 13 to 21 I could make as many mistakes as I want because I knew that's what I wanted to do so that's all I really did I always focused on that I focused on making my own money and um, I, I just got good at it I got good at it now, who instilled – so at, at 13, you had your own eBay store. Yeah. Who who instilled that inside of you? Uh, myself. My parents, they worked. Um, so they were, they were my best teachers because they showed me what not to do. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I didn't want to work no 16, 18-hour shifts. Like, my pops worked every day, seven days a week, you know what I'm saying? Which, granted, he had a lot of kids. He had a lot of bills to pay. He had a lot to maintain. My mother worked every day as well. You barely really see your folks. It was just everything that I really didn't want. Mm-hmm. I ended up just that was my fuel to say, you know what, this is what I really wanted to do. My older brother was like kind of my inspiration as well. Um, you know, he was in these streets real, real heavy. Um, I liked the aesthetics of what he was doing. Um, and that was just my – I love the independence. You know what I'm yeah. saying? He could wake up when he want, do what he want. He was fly as hell, cars, jewelry, took care of his kids. You know, this was, was a real man, and that that you know got I picked that hustling mentality up from him. Okay, and um, you know, I just kind of instilled it in other things, and and you know, went from there. Uh, so your first eBay store was uh selling clothes, and uh, you actually opened stores and everything. No, I never got physical. I was see, I the the way it was digital, and I knew it. You mm-hmm. know, it was. You know, this millennial generation, we're real introverted in many ways, where it's like, I can come talk to you, I can kick it with you if you initiate, but I'm not going to do it myself. I'm just real laid back or just kind of standoffish. So the Internet was my best alternative. I'm like, I know I can reach. And then not only I'm reaching people in Michigan, I'm reaching people all around the world with whatever work I got. I can just hit the block and hit you know, 10 million people with just a post. And I kind of understood that curve was coming. Um, I didn't know that it would get to where it is today, but um, it was just a real good alternative for myself. And, you know, when I was trying to sell clothes in, like, middle school, one, niggas was broke or niggas was cheap, and they didn't really want to spend no money. So, yeah. you know, we go online, you ain't running into that because you really, at the time, you didn't have, like, the offers and all that. It was like, this your price, and you pay it. Yeah, plus you, I mean, because when you're in middle school, you're probably trying to sell to middle school people. Yeah. You, to yeah. your immediate circle. To your peers, the internet, yeah. <laughs> the internet is saying You're selling to consumers. Whoever yeah. got money, it don't matter how old you are, buy it and I ship it out tomorrow. Right. I was a 13-year-old adult, you know what I'm saying? Because, like you said, I'm selling to my peers physically, 
Um, I can't walk up to no no grown man trying to sell nothing. They either one gonna take it or not take me serious. Right, right. Online, you don't know who you's talking to. You Which don't is scary. know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know it is. You know what I'm saying? So like, I remember I would use my mother's name and shipping the, on the shipping. The, they think they said buying from a woman. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it was always smooth with me. I found out how to hit the angles. You know what I'm saying? Just working online. Okay, you know that's dope. How your parents feel about? I'm sure they happy. Uh or do they want you to go the traditional route? Yeah, they they do. Most of most of our parents do. And we you know, I have just recently, you know, gotten my parents comfortable with what I'm doing. They they thought so dope a long time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So <laughs> now like to see see me on the news and all that, they kinda like well, all right, all right, you ain't you you really doing something else. So you know that was um that that's cool, but they all want the tradition. They scared. They naturally scared. Yeah. You know because the, they have a different way of thinking from how they came. Yeah. Up. They the, for them work for the state or post office a plant. Mm-hmm. Like you get into any of those, you make it. You done. Um, work thirty years, get a pension. Yeah. Get out and live you work off that, that pension. pension. You know what I'm saying? But they don't take into account like college, and then that's. You know, a hundred thousand dollars in debt. Like I don't care what job you get, and them fields ain't gonna pay for it. So they kind of miscalculated that, but they saw a lot in you know in the eighties and the nineties. They saw what the drug game did to you know our older brothers and sisters, and a lot of people ain't here no more. A lot of people locked away for a real long mm-hmm. time, so mm-hmm. they naturally just care, and they just saying like, just be safe, take the safest bet. Get you a good job that's gonna pay you benefits, and they don't know the benefits ain't there no more. My father been retired, but almost 15, 16 years, so he got the last tail end of pension. Yeah, you know what I'm yeah. He don't know like we ain't getting that. Well, you know, ain't gonna be there. It's, it's not, gonna be, not gonna be there. Yeah, yeah so no, if you don't have another hustle, another way to make money independently, you're gonna be out here at sixty five and. Still dying. Yeah, yeah. You'll still be working or you're going to be stanking because you ain't going to have nothing. You know what I'm saying? So, ain't no way in hell you're supposed to be in your 60s and still be out here beating up, having to get up 7, 8 o'clock every yeah. day to be at fucking work. Yeah. I want to, and me, I, I don't never want to retire, but I want to determine what my work is going to be. Yes. Right now, I want to break my back to get grocery stores open in every hood. But by the time I'm 60, I want to be just kind of traveling and open up foundations. And, you know, I want to do that. But I want to control my work. I want to control how I exert my energies on what I'm going to do. You know, which mainly means I probably ain't going to be doing much of shit at 60. I'm going to have a full staff and they're going to be doing their Going thing. to the office every now and then just to shake people up. That's, all, that's all it's going to be, you know. But, you know, we, we've put ourselves in that position because we really didn't know no better. And, you know, with all the information that we have, we just got to take them chances. We have to. We got to take them chances. It, it hurt, you know, when your parents don't really believe in it. You know, when your when your older peers they looking at it second guessing it and all of that. Because that's them you're supposed to be your biggest cheerleaders. Right, right. And when they kinda, you know, hesitant, it hurts sometimes, but you gotta keep it rocking. You gotta do it. And everybody's second guessing and questioning it till you actually do it and the shit works. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's just the nature of Well you knew I, I, we always knew you was gonna pull through. No the yeah. fuck you didn't. <laughs> yeah, and you it's definitely. cool like it's cool that you didn't because yeah. shit it might be some know. days I didn't think I would pull it through, but mm-hmm. I never let you know that. For right. sure. 
and that's you know, and that's you know, that's the that's the wave and the move. Like you know, I I love kicking it with the younger folks. I'm 28, so I you know I'm I'm like kind of borderline. I'm about to be crossing that first little mountain, but I still I'm still considered a young person, but. You know, people talk to me all the time and just say like they people just don't get it. You know, so I'm really trying to do this, do that, and it's like who who cares? You you get it, so you do it. You know what I'm saying? You do it. It, it hurt. It does hurt when your own folks looking at what you're trying to do. Like I have relatives saying like you ain't beating them Chaldeans at this grocery game, mm. and I said you're right. I ain't trying to beat them motherfuckers. We about to change the game. We ain't playing. We're not playing that game with them. I don't want to go that traditional route because you won't win. But guess what? It's another. It's too many opportunities where you can get it now. I've been traveling to different farms and I'm trying to unite the black farmers, which is another tragedy for us because we the first we the first generation that has no footprint in farming. It's black people, so we the, all that shit we doing like the urban gardening it that's just kind of smoke and mirror type just stuff. for the community it's yeah, a it's, science it's, fair project that's all it is because if if and granted we do have like the shittiest grocery stores in in America in the hood in every hood not just Detroit but everywhere that's in the city you have that 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 monopoly of bad grocery stores but if they closed we wouldn't have nothing and we couldn't go and and grow anything because one we don't have the land to do it, and two we don't know how to do it if we had the land. So that's the big fish, and that's the you know I've been traveling, looking at the farms and seeing what they got going on. But I'm also scoping out the land because that's next. Like we gotta buy that up. We we it's ours anyway. We farmed on it for free for three hundred plus years. Mm-hmm. We that's just should be ours anyway. So go ahead and hustle up and get it. So let me ask. So I know you are now in the stages of trying to get the um, to purchase the location, and once that's set up, um, I'm assuming that you got like connects to bring in um, farmers and market. I mean, and different things for to basically fill the grocery store with food. Yeah, I have a, I have a wholesaler. I have a wholesaler now, and I have my own, which I'm you know very blessed with. The situation I have is that. You know, usually with a wholesaler is usually you get everything from us or no deal. That's not my situation here. I'm selecting what I'm going to get from the wholesaler. From there, I can pick my locals or other, you know, unique brands because I really want to bring in local, um, you know, local food businesses mm-hmm. as well and really, you know, strengthen the local economy. Um, so I, I don't want to get my produce from the wholesale. I want to get it from a, a farm, you yeah. know what I'm saying, or a, a union of farms somehow. And I've been talking to plenty of those and, and trying to get that unified so that that makes sense. But there's other, like, water beverage companies that um are out here locally. You got sauce companies and you have, you know, chefs that's doing their thing and they need the platform. Right, right. And I want my grocery store to be that platform for them. I don't want to be handcuffed. And some just contract where I can't work with them, you know, because everything worked by square footage in a grocery store. And if you let a wholesaler fill every square footage, you won't have room for nothing else. For nothing else. And you can't do nothing else without burning a hole in your pocket. No, I need, you know, you can take 70 percent and I need this other 30 percent so that I can do what, you know, for the other people as well. Yeah. So I'm real fortunate that that's what's been carved out. It's been perfect timing. It's perfect timing. People fed up. And they know that if they really want to save grocery, they need to change grocery. 
and you know fresh ideas like myself is is you know gonna be what's up. That's what's up. Uh, are you looking to for? Um, so now they got like uh, downtown. They got like Whole Foods downtown or whatever. Are you looking to bring like uh, healthy foods in there as well, or is that the priority? Or are you just gonna? Uh, that's the that's the goal. Like I don't want to change everybody overnight. Right. Like we got dominion over what we eat, and I'm still with the shits too. I eat chips and yeah. you know snacks, all that. So. You don't want to hit them with a 360. No, we don't got nothing. <laughs> no, you know, we going to have. Because you're hurting business that yeah, way, Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was, I mean, soul food. Like, we, we've we destroyed soul food. Grandma, grandmama gone. You know what I'm saying? So we got to bring that back somehow, which that's going to give us some calories. You know what I mean? That's going that's, to, that's some sweet shit. You know what I mean? So I don't want to do it over there, but I want to provide alternatives. That cannot be your everyday diet. Yeah, this yeah, cannot yeah. be what you eat every day. This cannot be what you feed your kids every day. Like, let this be the delicacy. You know what I'm saying? Like, we can kick this on a weekend or, you know, a few days out of the week. Let's get it in, man. Let's fry it all up. Let's do our thing. But during the week or during majority of the week, we need to be possibly doing all this stuff. But I still don't want to force you. You know, I want you to actually have an alternative, and that's what we never really have is the choice. Like, here's the choice. Here's the alternative. This is what you, you know, should be eating just based on you a 30-year-old black man and you may have this condition or you may be feeling this in your knees or back or whatever. These are some good things to eat. These are some good things to do. But if you still want to, you know, eat the wrap snacks, then do your, you know, do that too. Yeah. You know, so. It was funny. Uh, what's that, Master P? When we was on Breakfast Club, he was talking about how people laughed at him when they when they said when he was coming out with wrap snacks like, like that'll never work. Shit has been working. It's been for a long time too. Hey man, I can't even front that fabulous one and Fatty Wop. I fuck with. I've never eaten any. I I fucks with them all. You should try. Except for the Boosie ones, they like real hot. Now like hot food. It's like whatever they took out of Cheetos, they put them in them. (laughs) They hot like them Boosie. They good. You know, if you like spicy food, you'll love them. Them they just too hot for me. I feel you. But I definitely tried them. I tried every. I like them all. Don't sleep on the wrap snacks. I don't sleep on the wrap. I've snacks. never ate none before, dog. Which ones? What's barbecue chips? I want some barbecue chips. Who, who got the barbecue? Romeo. Chips? I don't want to buy them. Them my favorite ones, man. Uh, yeah, I like well, them. I, I turn the bag over and eat the paws. I don't know. I, I ain't fucking. You know. It's chips, man. It's <laughs> chips. It's chips. It don't matter who on the front of them. It's chips. Uh, so when's the ETA on when? The grocery stores will uh, be up and running. I'm thinking around this time next year, honestly, sooner. The way that everything's been kind of just unfolding um, is is a little hyper. Um, If if stuff slowed down this time next year, it'd be perfect. Uh, If stuff don't slow down, it'd be way before that. Um, This is just the one piece, you know, finding that space, and we can own it. That's just my one condition. Like, a lot of stuff we can kind of – negotiate and, and move around and flake a little bit, that's just a condition that won't break. I gotta buy the space. If I cannot buy the space, I don't want I don't want at least to buy because you can just change your mind and all that. No, Man. I need to I need those terms up front so that we can really move forward. Once that's there, everything else busts open, you know, so that's dope. Um there's one other thing I want to touch on is your the most recent uh urban plug. Uh, can you talk about that a little bit? That, that's the parent. Well, the grocery store would be a subsidiary urban plug. That's okay. a um, 
So just like kind of fat rewinding back, um, when I was like 16, 17, I got into investing, not actually doing it because I didn't have the money to really do it. Um, but I was really interested in investing and I got the big picture of what ownership means and, you know, stocks and bonds. Really, I got the big picture of just doing it. I was just kind of in school for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just didn't really have the liquid capital to do it. Um, when I graduated from college, I started Plug Media. It's a media company that published my book. I, you know, self-published my book that did extremely well. And I started a clothing line as well. How to Hustle. Uh, How to Hustle is the book. Yeah, and I started a clothing line, Hustle Mania. Like, uh, it was was a playoff. (laughs) Hulkamania. It was a playoff Hulkamania, like, but it went crazy, like. I saw the Hustle Mania. It went, it went, like, like, the thing was, I didn't like clothes. I just wanted to make my own clothes, but because people rocked with it so hard, it turned into a venture. It just grew too fast for me. I was the only person doing it, so I couldn't handle it, couldn't manage it. Um, made a lot of money, but a lot of headaches as well. So um, when I was ready to just kind of give up because I was I was missing orders, and I just kind of got unorganized. Yeah. But a company in Toronto. Um, you know, was interested in buying a brand. Mm. So um, a year after I had opened Hustle Mania up, I sold it to this company, and I had all this money to work with. So then I really started investing. But then I really got the big picture, and I started getting exposed to all these different ethnicities. And because I'm in a different, you know, conversation now with different groups of people, because they viewing me different, so I'm getting invited to these different events, and I'm seeing all these different folks, and I'm hearing how the Koreans operate. I'm hearing how the Jews operate, and I'm like, I got to take this back to the hood. So I started Urban Plug. It's a social investment company, but we're pioneering crowd investing because it's still relatively new, and there's groups that's doing it now, but I want to do it here in Detroit. But most importantly, I'm taking all of the stuff I learned from all these different ethnic groups that have one doing it. I'm trying to bring it to the hood, and this grocery store is the first, the biggest venture at this point. Um, I've done, I do stock pools okay. uh, where we, um, you know, group as many people as I can get at the time. Um, I think the biggest group I had was 21 people. Uh, we would put money in a pot, and then we would buy stock with it. From there, I would kind of give them the lessons of what I've learned over time. Um, and I still do this to this day. Uh, once a quarter, I pull people together, and uh, we you know, invest our money for a few months. And then we either, one, keep it as a long-term portfolio, or we just sell out and take our proceeds and leave. Um, I did a, a youth entrepreneurship program as well through this pilot. Um, I still publish my book through Urban Plug now as well. But this this um, grocery store is the biggest project because not only will it be a grocery store, but it'll be an investment opportunity for the communities that we're rocking with. So yeah. wherever we're stationed, you can buy shares of us food market. You know, we want to get the company up running into the green or into the black, rather, you know, and take care of whatever debts we have so that we have a real functioning long-term business model. Yeah. And then after that, we'll be selling shares to the company, I mean, or the company to the hood. Man, and then we'll dope. use that proceeds to go in another hood and just start all over. Man, that's really dope, man. Yeah, because, and I mean, we all go back to that focus of ownership. When somebody feels like this is mine, they take a different type of pride in it. They don't want 
Ray Ray up the street vandalizing and breaking in because that that's mine. You can also buy into this and make it yours yourself, 100%. and that just creates a different type of pride and things. Yeah. And we you know we in that it ain't just a black thing; it's a people thing. We build people up just to destroy them. We will build up the biggest star and say he got too much power or he doing too much. Doing too good. He doing too good. Let's destroy then you, then him. This you calling is, John Jones an addict or something. This, you know this is a my, junkie is what right. I call him. <laughs> so this is my way to um, keep it humble. You know, you know this from the beginning. This is what I want to do. Can I do it in the beginning? I don't think y'all ready. But let us, we ain't ready either. Let us get the store open. Let us get clear. Let us get in the black. Let's, let us work out the kinks. And we'll provide you with a safe investment. You know, that is far more safe than anything you can ever do. Don't put your money in the savers account. Put your money with us because it's proven at that point. It's working at that point, And you know, like, you're going to get a better return on your money than putting it in the bank. You put it here, you know where it's at. You know when you come to this store, this is you. Mm-hmm. It's not just a place you come to shop. This money ain't just going in my pocket. It's coming back into yours as well. And you should recommend people to go to the grocery shop that you part own. Yeah. yeah. You got those shares, and you want to keep that clean. So you're not going to – when you see somebody down the street with one of their buggies, you taking that damn buggy right back to the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you taking it back to where it's supposed to be at. So. Yeah, but you kind of go outward out beyond that, too, because, you know, I want to start in the desert. I don't want to, you know, I got an opportunity um, to to open this store in a well, well-off neighborhood like Borderline and Gross Point, et cetera, um, turned it down. Um uh, on the west side in uh, uh, that Grandma Rosedale area. Come on, man. I live over there. I, man. I mean, Come on, man. I want to, but I don't see the need. Like, they yeah. not, not, they got growth. They There's don't a have that many. Like, right there they on the yeah. yeah, but it's like that's a well-off neighborhood. I want to be in the desert where it's less populated and it needs work. When you are part owning something, you're going to not only make sure the store is straight, but you're going to make sure that the buildings around it. It's straight, mm-hmm. and if y'all ain't in compliance, y'all get the fuck on. Uh, sell to us because y'all ain't really doing y'all job. These homes that's vacant, you're going to champion for those homes to be occupied. Yeah. You're going to make sure that we build them up. It's a school right next door that's vacant. Hey, let's go in and let's make sure we get this store up. Mm-hmm. Let me just get this the school up and running. You know, like you're going to do the most. Because it's not just the survival of your investment, but the store, you know that the community surviving is going to make sure that that store is going to be way more fruitful anyway. So socially, where's the L? It's no L. Everybody going to win. Yeah. Well, man, I commend you, brother, and we definitely want to make the hood great again. Yeah. Um, So anything that we can do, um, we want to be involved in. And uh, we want to see. Man, right before you ready to open it up, you got to come back here with us and chop it up, or really anytime. Yeah, you know, the door is always open. I, I'm with it. I really want to. Um, everybody that has really messed with this initiative, like we all got to do it for a circle, but we all have to um, like recognize the opportunity in that neighborhood. I, I don't want y'all. I don't want to come here. I want y'all to come to for sure the spot. Grand oh, be there. We'll be there. Broadcast. And see not just the store. But look at, like, y'all going to see the vision. You know, like, right now, I'm putting the vision together visually and doing other things. Like, I'm having a kick out of this because it's artistic for me. It's not just a, you know, a venture where it's like, don't get me wrong. Like, my partners, they're a little antsy because they like, man, we can be really doing this. But this is art for me. 
And for me to tell this story, you know, they'll appreciate it later because they really going to see the big picture. When I announce when we finally close on this store, when we finally close in this area, it's, it's all intentional. And you're going to really see what I get it now. Like, I, I see it. I really I didn't get it for I see it now and it's gonna be beautiful. So I want everybody to really see it and I want to have that aha moment, like for everybody, because it's bigger than food. Like it's bigger than Nino Brown. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like yeah. this is it's bigger. So I really want um, you know, everybody that has really rocked with me, supported me, you know, I wanna support them and get them a movie. But I'm also, you know, trying to bring more chairs to the table regardless. So we got to rock it regardless. Man, you got our support, man. We'll definitely be out. We'll come out uh, the whole nine yards from beginning to end, man. So yeah, for sure. We rocking with it. Uh, man, give out your social media, man, and anything people can contact you at. All right. My, uh, my website is rafferight.com, R-A-F-A-W-R-I-G-H-T.com. I'm on social media as well, um, Twitter and Instagram, the same uh, handle. Is at Pharaoh underscore Rafa. That's F A I R O underscore R A F A. Um, I don't really rock with Facebook. I'm on there though, but you probably couldn't reach me there. Um, you definitely can reach me on Instagram and on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn heavy as well, so you can reach me there too. Um, and just catch me in these streets. I'm just always out and always around. So um, if you see me, holler at me. I'm always going to have to make the hood great again hat on. So you know that's me. Um, you know that's the name of this episode. Make the hood great again. That's, that's what's up. Is that's the move. So, um, you know, walk up on me. Let's talk. Let's build. Um, the table is set. We just got to pull our chairs up and eat. Um, we got to make the hood great again. By all means, you know, forty five showing his ass, and we got to show ours. For sure. Period. We cannot uh, get get sidetracked with what he doing and, and not build our own. Uh, we got to build up our own. But that's where I'm at. Find me in any of those, and let's get it. Uh, every week, Dame Gone Wild, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. Um, catch me in these streets because I'm all over the west side. Uh, Shop Talk Podcast, follow that on Instagram. Um, Jay Johnson 313 Twitter, Instagram. Uh, go to the website, www.shoptalkpod.com. I'm not saying that we the Rockefeller Podcast, but we are Jay and Dame. Peace.